great to have you here. And in fact, because of so many first-time guests, let me, let me catch you up. January 1st, 2017 was a Sunday this year. And uh, I told a, a vision that I really feel is a word from God for us as a church this year. And it is a message that we call Hello from the Other Side. And coincidentally, Azelle flew into town this week to uh, sing that very uh, a song with that very same title, thereby confirming that God is indeed uh, given us this word. And it comes from a picture of the people of Israel who had been in captivity in Egypt, living as slaves for 400 years. It's a long time to be doing anything, especially living as slaves, building pyramids, digging uh, gardens for the Pharaoh. And, and, and finally, God used a guy named Moses to, to confront Pharaoh and say, let my people go. So after 400 years, of slavery, the, the, the Israelites, who were the people of God at the time, were let go from Egypt. And some of you may have seen the movies or, 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 or come across the picture where they had to cross the Red Sea and Moses held his hands up and the sea, sea parted and they went through. And then when they got through to the other side of the Red Sea, the, the waters closed and Pharaoh's armies couldn't come back, come after them because Pharaoh changed his mind, realising that there was no one left to build pyramids. Um, the problem, however, is where they got to on the other side of the Red Sea was not where God had promised. God had promised them somewhere on the other side of the Jordan River. But having escaped from Pharaoh's hand under God's hand, having crossed the Red Sea into this place, they got stuck. They got stuck for 40 more years in what's just become known as the wilderness. And and, and the word for us this year is to not settle for anything less than God's promise. Not settle in the wilderness because it's tempting to settle there because it's better than slavery. And, and we can look, look, look back and say, well, it's better than what we escaped from. But the challenge isn't to look back and say just what we've escaped from. It's to keep looking forward to, to where God's promised that we need to go to. And so we need to keep going to cross over to the other side. And the reason I'm prefacing that this morning is I don't want any of us to, to, to merely interpret this idea of God's promises being ahead of us, something we need to pursue as, as simply pertaining to our circumstances, that God's promised us a better marriage. Uh, God's promised us better health. God's promised us better financial uh, health. God's promised us uh, better profit and loss if you're a business owner. Those are all good things. And, and, and by the way, likely things that God would want us to actually step into. But, but real change, lasting change, isn't first and foremost about circumstances. Real lasting change is first and foremost about our heart. And one of the most important things, if not the most important thing that we can change, that we can keep asking God to, to, to take us into His promise is in our heart. And this is where religion gets it wrong. Religion is all about outside in transformation. That if you can clean your life up, then you can come to God and maybe He'll accept you. If you can get your crap together, then, then you can present yourself to Jesus and, and He'll rank you out of 10. And if you get above a seven, you're in. That's what religion will tell you. Jesus says, come to me. 
Give your heart over to me. Start following me and I'll begin a transformation in your life from the inside out. And that's where real and lasting transformation takes place. So we're gonna talk a lot about the heart this morning. If you've got the Elevate app, and uh, some of you do, maybe 13 of you don't, you can download it. It's available for free. And you tap the Bible tile, it'll take you to Psalm 119, which uh, is the longest of all the Psalms in the Bible, a completely unimportant piece of information. And it'll take you to verse 112, where David, who wrote many of the Psalms, including this one, wrote this to God, a song to God. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. I want you to really zoom in on this first line. I incline my heart. The inference there is that his heart wasn't naturally in that trajectory. It was something he had to actually actively do. And, and you may recognise that too many people live their life with their heart not inclined to God, but declined. The opposite trajectory. Live their life based on how they woke up that particular day and, and, and how they felt when, they, when their feet hit the floor, determined the course and the trajectory of their day because their heart was declined. That the circumstances that, that, that come our way during the day, during the week, during a season of our life, causes our heart to be declined. And because of that, David makes the point very clearly that we have to actually, actively change the trajectory of our heart. And this is breaking news to some people, that we have the ability to choose the trajectory of our heart. That might be breaking news to some of you this morning, that, that you've just let discouragement determine the trajectory of your heart. You've let disappointment determine the trajectory of your heart. You've let despair determine the trajectory of your heart. And the, and the news, the great news I want you to get today includes this piece of news that you and I have the ability to choose the trajectory of our heart. But notice what David didn't say. He didn't say, God, please, will you incline my heart? He didn't say, oh, when my circumstances pick up, then I will incline my heart. He just drew a line in the sand and said, I incline my heart. It's a decision. And it's a decision that we don't just do one time. Uh, Louisa, my wife and I, last Saturday, we moved into a new home. Long story. Um, it's a rental home, our first rental home in 19 years. Long story. Um, we're going to only be there for 10 months, even longer story. Um, but uh, I figured that for the 10 months, it's a little villa, it, we've left most of our stuff in the boxes <laughs> that we used to remove. I pulled out six glasses and those glasses are gonna be on heavy rotation for the next 10 months. Had my morning coffee by pulling one out of the dishwasher this morning, yes. Um, and, but we're there for 10 months, so I figure, 
let's put some edibles in. Let's put in some herbs and some, and some veg. So I got about that on Thursday. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a herb and veg grower from way back. Um, love to grow some herbs and veg. And uh, I realised a long time ago that when you put stuff in the garden and you want it to grow, that you have to water it uh, consistently. And uh, so there's a statue somewhere gonna be made of me one day of standing there <laughs> with my Holman trigger spray and my Pope tangle-free hose, just doing this, because this, <laughs> this is what you do. This little villa that we've moved into, uh, it's changed my life. First of all, it's got a dishwasher. And last 18 years of marriage and 48 years of my life, I was the dishwasher. I'm now retired. It's fantastic. Uh, but three words that have altered the course of my life this week. Stewie, these words are magic to my ears. Electronic tap timer. Where have you been all my life? Do you know they sell them at Bunnings? You knew about these, Stewie. We used to be so close. We used to be friends. Electronic tap timer. Our watering days, well, it's watering days are Tuesday and Saturday. And you know what you can do with an electronic tap timer? It's digital. Oh, I said electronic. That means the same thing, right? You can just set it and forget it. 6 p.m. last night, I'm relaxing, have a little bit of din-dins. I hear this, I look out the window my garden is being watered magically. I'm like, it's witchcraft. No, it's electronic tap timer. Set and forget. Well, here's the thing. How I wish that were how our hearts operated. That 21, at the age of 21, when you maybe first met Jesus, that you at that point inclined your heart and you're now in your 30s or your 40s and your heart is still in that same trajectory and it's never left that trajectory. You've never been knocked off. No circumstances, no discouragement, no disappointment has ever knocked your heart off from its inclined trajectory. But you know, and I know that that's not how it works that we don't get to set and forget when it comes to the trajectory of our heart, that we have to actually check it regularly. Check, reset, check, reset, check, reset. Because things come our way that knock our heart off its trajectory. And Solomon, considered by many to be the wisest person that ever lived, lived except for Jesus and Neil Watson, wrote, guard your heart above all else. That's a pretty big claim of all the things we're meant to do that the Bible says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Solomon didn't say guard your bank account above all else. Guard your marriage above all else. Guard your job above all else for out of it flow the issues of life for your job, your bank account, your marriage determines the course of your life. He recognised that life is lived inside out and said above all, all else, guard your heart. And this is, this is, mm, it, it, 
it may sound complicated. You're smart, I know, but let me just put it out there anyway. It's a one-two combination that life is lived inside out from our heart out, not from the outside in, but we need to guard our heart from stuff that is outside of it so that it doesn't affect the condition of our heart so that as we go on to live from the inside out, our heart stays on the right trajectory. Capiche? Okay, somebody just lost their breakfast. Let me try that again. Life is lived inside out, from the heart, from the heart. Your heart determines the course of your life. But if your heart's off, that means the course of your life is off. So you have to actually guard your heart from stuff that's on the outside. Capiche? Oh man, I told you you guys are smart. So let me throw out a few habits of a healthy heart straight from David's playbook. He said, I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Straight after that, he said, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Now he wasn't talking about double-minded people, although by the way, I hate double-minded people. I hate being double-minded. I like to be decisive. I'm not always right, but I'm never confused. He was talking about a condition of the heart. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. And hate, it's a pretty strong word, right? But do you know that hate can be almost as powerful a motivation for us to change as love? And sometimes the starting point for moving forward is coming to a place that you hate where you are right now and you won't stay there anymore. It's a strong word, hate. And too often we tolerate what we should hate. Could be worse, yeah, but could be better. I hate double-minded, but I love your law. Before you get into what you love, you often have to identify some things to hate. And the key is to know what to hate. Louisa, she's working today, so she's not here. So I'm gonna take the liberty to throw her under the bus. She is a very passionate Italian woman. It's part of the appeal. But uh, early in our marriage, she used to use this word a lot not always towards me, but she would throw out the, the, the word hate a lot. And uh, we'd be in a situation and she'd, I hate, I hate. My, and, and I'd find myself often, cause you know, I'm the, I'm the cool, calm, collected one in our relationship. I would say to her, sweetheart, it's a pretty strong word for that particular situation. But chances are you've kind of hated some things as well that maybe a little bit overstated. pulling into the 12 items or less line only to discover the person in front of you clearly has 15 items. I hate that. I hate that. Driving through Mandra and 
past Bustle, uh, Bunbury and Bustleton on the way to somewhere nice, uh, you, may, you, you, may have, you may have found yourself hating people who drive 100 in the right-hand lane on the freeway. If uh, you live like a primitive and don't have NBN, you may have uh, found yourself hating when the red line is on a YouTube video is overtaking the gray line and you find yourself suffering from buffering. <laughs> oh, come on, that's not new. You know the rental that I live in, we live in, have lived in for eight days now, has had the potential for NBN connectivity for three and a half years. We've moved in there and they haven't still connected the NBN. Primitives. I want names, I hate them. Know what to hate, apply it to stuff that matters. Get to a place where you hate talking badly about people. That's worth hating if you find yourself doing that, talking badly about others because often it's motivated by wanting to feel better about yourself. Start hating that, hating, start hating self-pity. I'm having a party, it's on my own. It's called a pity party and no one's invited. <sighs> Hate having mediocre vision. Mediocre vision for your marriage, mediocre vision for your family, mediocre vision for your business, mediocre vision for your health, mediocre vision for your relationships, mediocre vision for your role here at Elevate Church. Hate having mediocre vision and know there's far more that God's got for you on the other side. Hate always being angry at your spouse. Hate living in debt. Hate having a negative, cynical, complaining attitude. You might find that people aren't asking you, how's it going anymore because the last time they asked you, how's it going? It took you five minutes to answer because you thought they really wanted to know. And instead of saying anything positive, you just dumped on them stuff and they're, they're still climbing out. So they made a note to say, don't ask them how they're going. And often it's because you don't hate having a negative, cynical, complaining attitude. We need to get to a place where we hate having family and friends that aren't following Jesus that we don't tolerate that. If we don't hate these sort of things, we're setting our hearts up for a trajectory that's going down. So we're gonna know what to hate. We got another habit is knowing where to hide. If you've been orbiting on this planet for any length of time, you know that you will get discouraged sometimes. You know that you will get disappointed sometimes. You know that you will sometimes feel close to being in a, in a place of despair. When you feel that way, when you find yourself in those situations, because getting to the promised land isn't about the absence of attack. It isn't about the absence of opposition. In fact, when you start pursuing the promises of God, don't be surprised if the opposition level goes up because there's an enemy that doesn't want you crossing over to the other side. He's happy for you to tolerate what you should hate. And so attack will come, opposition will come. And so the, 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 the pathway to the promises of God isn't, isn't gonna be achieved and arrived at by lack of opposition. It's gonna be about how we respond when the attacks and opposition comes knowing where to go when it happens. So here's a question. When opposition comes your way, when you come under some form of attack, 
How do you deal with that? Where do you go? Where do you hide? Because all of us hide somewhere. And I'll call out the obvious one straight up, indulgences. That's, that's like the no brainer, okay? Food, you, you face opposition and discouragement and confuse the refrigerator for a medicine cabinet. And, 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 and that sounds funny and, and, I'm not, and I'm trying to make it to be funny because for some people that's, that's, a, real, that's a real thing that, that, that some people need breakthrough from. It could be booze. Your best friends are Jim Beam and Jack Daniels and those two guys have never let you down. They're always with me. Mm. Maybe that's where you hide. Maybe it's porn. I was really encouraged to hear that years ago, the chain of Hilton Hotels, and they have sub-brands all around the world, they made a universal decision that they were no longer gonna connect porn channels to their in-room viewing options in their hotels across the world. It's pretty good, huh? Yeah. yeah. Problem is, you got access to the internet and a smart device. You can have all the porn you can eat 24-7. And for some people, that's where they hide because this person on the screen's giving you all the love you can handle and, 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 no, and no attack and opposition's coming from them. And you might hide in the comfort of this image. And it's not a male-only problem too, by the way. And I'm not gonna take a deep dive into this today, but I might into the future. Maybe you hide in unhealthy relationships. Better to have bad love than no love, right? Maybe you hide in self-pity. I already danced around that a little. Here's one that's not so obvious. Maybe you hide in self-reliance. That, that, that you were looking towards the promises of God and looking towards God of the promise and things didn't exactly go your way and opposition and attack came and you decided it was time to take the wheel back. God, hey, hey, hey. Let's switch seats for a little while. You don't seem to be doing a very good job at the minute. And so you hide in self-reliance. I can get this done. I'm gonna turn this thing around. I'm gonna cause the breakthrough. What's your hiding place? Here's another one. This one's epidemic. Again, not so obvious. Deflecting responsibility, aka blaming. I wonder if that's where maybe some of you hide when attack and opposition comes. It's always someone else's fault. It's always something's fault. Ah, oh, my parents. Ah, oh, my kids. Ah, oh, my boss. Ah, oh, my bank. Ah, oh, my postcode. Oh, I never had enough of that. No, I always had too much of that. And the problem with blaming anything and everything else is you don't ever take the opportunity to confront things that God might want to do on the inside. And it could be the very thing that God wants to do on the inside that's gonna kickstart your breakthrough. But you don't take responsibility. Maybe that's where you hide. Maybe you hide behind low expectations. Because here's a little life hack. If you don't have high expectations, you won't get disappointed. Well, what did you hope would have happened? Don't get your hopes up. Hide there so you don't have to ever deal with disappointed. It's called being half-hearted. The problem with these sorts of things is you're now hiding in enemy territory. 
And sooner or later, the very things you're hiding in will become worse than the things you're hiding from. Jim Beam and Jack Daniels will let you down because of the trail of destruction that they will cause you in your life. So some of you, some of us need a better hiding place. Well, David had a hot tip, make your habit, God, you are my hiding place and my shield. And, and you've got to decide in advance that that's going to be where you hide because in the moment when things are flying around, when, when, when things are orbiting your life that are beyond your control, your default needs to be God as your hiding place, not the fridge, not the bottle, not the porn site, not the, the blaming, not the self-reliance, not the self-pity. And then David gives a final habit, puts it out there, know how to hope. And here's the mistake that is too easy to make. That we've come from there. We're now here. We've got clarity or level of clarity around the promise and promises of God over there. And the mistake that we too often make is we think that the path from here to there is gonna be straight and flat and smooth and tailwind all the way. And if we fall into the trap of thinking that that's what the path is gonna look like, we run the risk of putting our faith and our hope in the path. The problem there is that that path, that path will let you down because that is almost never how the path will go for you. It will almost never be straight, not for long periods of time anyway. It will almost never be flat endlessly, tailwind endlessly, without opposition endlessly, occasional flat tire, occasional low fuel reading, time to top up. And so the key is to not put our hope in the path, but to put our hope in God of the promise. And so David finally said this, real simple. God, I hope in your word. Any, uh, any English boffins here this morning? Anyone consider themselves uh, well articulated in uh, the Queen's English, by any chance? Apart from me, who else? Reese, yes, it's actually true, by the way, it's actually true. Well, if you asked Reese, Reese will be able to tell you that this word hope is both, depending on the context, a noun, right, Reese, and a verb. It's a noun, it's something you have. It's a verb when it's something you do. See, you're smarter than you gave yourselves credit for. In this instance, David was using it as a verb. God, I hope in your word. It was something he did. It was something that was active. It wasn't something he merely had, I have hope. It was something he did. Less wishing, more hoping. So a question this morning, 
Do you have to go to the Wildcats game today as well, Neil? Oh. <laughs> I hope that we didn't make you too late last week. Okay, good. I'm just hoping she doesn't listen to this podcast. I'm in a lot of trouble. These three habits that David put out there, just, I want you just to take a moment for yourself. Is any one of these three things an area that you maybe need to shift the habit so as to shift the trajectory of your heart? You wanna be reminded what the three are? Of course not. Are there some things you need to hate that you've been tolerating, putting up with? Well, it's okay, I'm settling. Yeah, don't settle. Are there some habits that you've been hiding in that you need to change where you hide and find a new hiding place? And have you lost hope? Have, have you... Have you, what you think was being knocked off course, but actually maybe a detour that God wants to do something in you while you're on the detour. Wants to show something to you, wants to prove something about who he is because it's not just smooth and straight. Just, just take that moment to, to consider. Uh, you prayed for your heart to be open and right now God's gonna take an opportunity to wedge something in there if you want it. And while you're doing that, let me ask a question for those of you who have not yet made a decision to actually follow Jesus. I said this right at the beginning, real transformation starts when we present ourselves to Jesus as we are. Don't present yourself perfect, it's never gonna happen. Don't think you have to be perfect, it's never gonna happen. He didn't ask that of you. He says, come to me just as you are, meet me, follow me, and we'll begin this journey of transformation together. If you've never made that decision, if you've never said yes to following Jesus, I wanna give you the opportunity right here, right now to say yes. On Friday night at our Friday night live for Elevate Youth, we had two of our youth make that decision to say yes to following Jesus. Brilliant. Who of you this morning needs to make that same decision? And if you do, I want you in a moment just to put your hand up and you're putting your hand up to God and saying, that's me this morning, that's my decision. I wanna follow you. I wanna put my trust in you. I wanna meet with you right here, right now. And I'll see your hand, put it down. We're gonna pray. We're not gonna bring you up the front or get you to do anything weird. So right now, just as we close out, who of you need to make that decision? You've never said yes to following Jesus. Just put your hand up and I'll see your hand. You can put it down and then we're gonna pray. And I don't wanna miss anybody. And I don't want you to miss this opportunity either this morning. Okay. Are you next? Am I done? No, I'm gonna, what? Oh, come on now. The clock says zero, I better be done. I'm gonna pray for you, all of you right now who have considered one or more of those habits, hating, hiding, hoping, and then the Jared will bring his awesome presence onto the stage for the blessing of all humankind. <laughs> God, I thank you that your word is alive 
and active, that it's not merely words on a page, but it's living words that are being written in our hearts as we open our hearts up to you. And so this morning, God, whatever habit or habits that people are considering, that you're speaking to them, that you've revealed this morning, I pray that you seal that word in their hearts, that that word will not be stolen and when they leave this building, for people that need to start hating some things that they've been tolerating, that they will walk out of here empowered by you, resolute to change the trajectory of their heart by hating some things that you hate. For those of us who have developed some janky habits and found ourselves using some inferior hiding places that we would learn from this day forward to be hiding in you, to put our trust in you, to, to, to trust that you are our hiding place and our shield. And, and God, I especially pray for people who, who are struggling with hope this morning, that maybe life has beaten them across the head one more time than they think that they could handle. God, that you showing up right now in their lives giving them the courage and the renewed strength to take one more lap around those walls, to get up, not just in their own strength, but empowered by you, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, to keep going, that their hope will be active from this day forward, in Jesus' name, amen.